confessions from a pastor's wife. If you like the content of this video, please don't forget to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you feel like this in, uh, message will encourage somebody, please feel free to share it. And if you um, are on podcasts, you can find this on Apple and Spotify podcasts. So I'm going to continue on with my little series on relationships. And I really, um, I should have started with the husbands first, <laughs> but I was just so focused on that word submit from last week, submission. I wanted to, I, it was just so in, in my head a lot that I felt like, you know, that one should have come out, that one had to come out first, but, um, really it should be, I should have started with the husbands because it all starts with your husband. The husband is supposed to be the leader of, of the house, um, which we'll see in this, in this um, passage, uh, Ephesians 5, that I'm talking about. So um, yeah, if you're watching this, watch this one first and then submission. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm going to talk about the men and how men are told to love their wives as Christ loved the church. So Ephesians 5, 25 to 27 says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. I've read that a lot and I've really thought about it and honestly, it all starts with the husbands. Men, you were given a tall task. And I know this day and age is really difficult to do that. Um, whether you're Christian or not, I know that this, today's society, women are saying that they're strong enough to do it without you, that they don't need you. Um, and then some women are complaining that where'd all the men go? I know it's really difficult right now to be a man, whether you're Christian or not. But I really hope with this video, you can take comfort in learning how to be the man that Christ wants you to be. So um, the whole thing about this love is that it's a choice. It's not that instinctive love that you have for your children, not even the same instinctive love that God has for us. This is a choice as you choose to love God or not. This is a choice to love your spouse. If you look at love and the love for your spouse as an emotion, it's going to come and go. All of a sudden, you're going to not feel in love with your partner because as people grow, we change. And that's why a lot of marriages, I feel, are kind of going down in the dumps. They approach love as an emotion and when they no longer feel it, oh, they must no longer be in love. I must not love you anymore. I got to move on to the next person. And that's why you find people getting married two, three, four, five times. Because love is a choice. If you treat it as an emotion, it's going to come and go with the wind. So husbands, you're not supposed to love your wife based on what you can get from her. I know that society is very selfish and very much protect yourself. Let them give everything that they have to you, but you got to protect yourself. That's not the way that God wants you to love. The way you're supposed to love is a selfless, sacrificial love the way Christ did. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. 
Are you willing to die for your spouse? And I'm not just talking about a physical death, although I really hope that all of you husbands would. I'm talking about the vices, the things that um, maybe you're hiding, you know, and some examples would be like the ones that come to mind are um, alcohol, drugs, sex addiction, pornography addiction, um, gambling addiction, things like that. They don't have to be addictions, but they're the vices that you struggle with. Are you dying to yourself every single day with those vices? Are you talking to your wife about them? Are you praying together about them? Because if you're hiding it, if you're putting it in the dark, Satan is going to use it to torture you. And you're teaching your wife that it's okay to hide things from you. And she may feel like it's a form of cheating. Lying, little white lies, hiding things that you should be talking to your spouse about, whether you think they're a big deal or not, whether you think that it'll change how she feels about you. You need to have the respect for your wife that no matter what, she's going to love you through it because that's what the vows say. Because that's how you love your wife. Is there anything that she could say to you that you would be like, oh, well, that just changes how I think about you and I don't love you anymore. So you need to understand how to die to your flesh. And you need to understand that the love that Jesus had for the church was a service. It was out of servitude. And so you need to... to Figure out, figure out her love language. That's another podcast that I'm going to talk about, that I'm going to do, is uh, love languages and how it can be a benefit for your relationship. Figure out how she expresses love and how she wants it expressed to her. Because everyone is different. You know, I, I like words of affirmation and I love to give gifts. <laughs> so... That's, those are, that's how I respond and, and um, express my love. Um, and you're not supposed to love your wife because of who she is. But you're supposed to love your wife because of who Christ is. And you're trying to be more Christ-like. So regardless of who she is, you should be loving her. Because that's what Christ did. Christ came and, and he loves everybody. God loves everybody, not just Christians. Um, you know, if you look at it this way, what if God only loved you based on what you brought to the table? That's not a very comforting love, is it? No. So we have to stop expecting our spouses to give us things. You know, if they if they respond to our sacrificial love, that's great. Um, and again, it's really difficult today because, you know, men are being told to be macho and everything like that. But if you go to 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to, I'm going to say the verse, 1 Corinthians um, ver, uh, chapter 13, verses 4 to 7, nowhere in that love list, what love is that it describes, does it say men are macho or sorry, love is macho. Love is assertive. Love is rude. You know, it actually says the opposite. So 
it's really difficult. I know men, it's, it's, it's really difficult to kind of figure out where and how you're supposed to be doing these things because women nowadays are very much, I am woman, hear me roar. I can do it on my own. Um, another thing is it's your job to help your wife walk with Christ and to get a deeper walk with Christ and an understanding of God. It says, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. That means that you need to know your Bible and you need to know the word in order for you to teach it to your spouse. How can you make her knowledge grow if yours isn't growing? Are you spending time in the Bible? I think a great thing that couples can do to, to walk deeper together is do a Bible study together, read the Bible together. Even if it's just the two of you, pick a book and go through it and she can offer a perspective and you can offer a perspective and they're gonna be different. Sometimes they'll be the same, but men and women are wired differently. We've all heard about that. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Women are very emotional, men are more logical. And so you can look at the word of God and dissect it and maybe offer each other different perspectives. And that's just going to help you further your walk. But men, you're supposed to be leading that. Um, it's your job to help her to do good to others by helping her. So for her to be more Christ-like, you need to encourage her. You need to unearth the gifts that she has. You need to um, unearth her talents and her passions that she might not even know about. You know, in my first marriage... I had this feeling deep inside of me that I was meant for something. I was meant to help people and I didn't know what. Was it training them, like physical training? Was it um, doing their eyelashes? Was it, um, you know, th these things? I, I, I had no idea how am I supposed to help. But I had a feeling that my past experiences were going to help in some type of way. So I brought that up to my first husband and he didn't know what to say to me. He didn't know how to unearth what was inside um, because we weren't walking in Christ. He, instead of leading me deeper with Christ and keeping me holy and blameless without stain, like the verse said, we kind of walked into immorality. I'm not saying that he's a bad guy because he's not. He's a great father. But unfortunately, because we weren't walking with Christ because we did not know how to die to our flesh because we did not bring our struggles to God. That was the demise of our marriage. You know, it, we just couldn't do it anymore ourselves. And we didn't know to give it to God because that's not how we were living. Now, my second marriage, we are both rooted in Christ on our own. And then we make sure that Christ is the center of our marriage. So when we have our struggles, we can bring them to God separately and together. And, um, you know, Chris has unearthed in me this thing called discernment, this gift that I have called discernment. He's also mentioned, and I take such like pride and, and I try to stay humble with it, but it's amazing when a pastor like Pastor Chris Cooper looks at you and says, you have a pastoral gift and a pastoral calling. It's, it's scary, but also so amazing. And that feeling that I had deep down where I was trying to wrestle with what am I supposed to do to help people? This is it. 
This podcast is it. My experiences, the things that I went through that were made to break me and, and kind of did, broke me down and I lost my identity. I can speak to you now. Being on the other side, being a born again Christian, again, following Christ very deliberately, trying to be more Christ-like, I can see, I can look back on my history, on my past traumas and find purpose in it and encourage other people who might be going through the same stuff to heal that way. And that's amazing. And for me, I've lived in a marriage that was of the world, that, that was given into our flesh. And I'm telling you right now, the one that I have now, though we struggle, like all marriages, it is so much better. I 100% would always recommend this type of a marriage, this type of a relationship. Because Satan is going to throw things at you. There's all these vices. There's all of these temptations. And how do we overcome it? We can't do it on our own. We just cannot. And Satan knows that. He knows that. You have to give it to God. And again, it's not just once you give it to God, he's going to take it. It's an every single day thing. If it's something that you struggle with, you need to do it every single day. Um, and then it, um, the verse talks about, um, or sorry, Paul also writes, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. So if you're struggling and figuring out, how do I love my wife as Christ loved the church? Because I've read this so many times that now I can kind of unpack it and understand it. But when I first read it, I was like, hmm. Okay, um, so Paul says, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one hated his own body that he feeds and cares for. So again, it's a serving and sacrificial love. You're putting her needs above your own. You are making sure her walk with Christ is steadfast. You're making sure that you're not leading her down a path that will give her stain or wrinkle or blemishes. No, you are presenting your wife as radiant, as a radiant church, holy, blameless, without wrinkle or stain. It all starts with you guys. And you're supposed to love her completely. So 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, verses 4 to 7. This is what love is. Love is patient and kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So that's another verse that you can un unpack. Love is patient and kind. Men, when your women are driving you nuts, when they're doing things that annoy the crap out of you and they know they know it annoys you, you're supposed to be patient. You're supposed to be kind. If you lose your job, 
or your woman has, or sorry, your wife gets a job that, you know, or um, that you want. Like if you're in the same kind of line of work and she gets that promotion over you, you're not supposed to be resentful. Or if you get something or envious, you're, or if you get some experience or opportunity that she doesn't get, you're not supposed to boast about it. Make her feel bad. Oh, I got this. No. Um, it's not arrogant. Not rude. Doesn't insist on its own way. That one jumped out at me. So a lot of men might think, oh, I'm supposed to be the leader. That means you're supposed to do what I want. No, no. Compromise. She's not supposed to get solely what she wants. Like, you can't just say this is how it is and there's no room for compromise. You need to learn how to compromise on the little things and the big things. You know, an example for me is I like to change the decor in our house. I, in my first marriage, could just go about doing it. He didn't care. I did it here. <laughs> and... Chris wants to be involved in that. So he was a little upset that I went ahead and did it anyway. Um, so that's something that I know now. So it's not just one person getting their way and you need to suck it up and, and get on board. Okay. Uh, it's not irritable, resentful, doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. So those vices, that the gambling or whatever that you like to do, you're not supposed to like doing it. You're supposed to rejoice in the truth. Die to your flesh. Um, and it bears all things, all the struggles, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love is a choice, you guys. I, I'm just going to keep saying that. Love is a choice. And if you choose to love your spouse, you will get through everything. You will get through anything. And anything that is bigger than you are, you bring it to God. And he will help you get through it. You need to bring it to God together. He will help you get through it. And another big thing that I'm going to say for both husband and wife is there are going to be times that you don't want to love that you don't want to provide, that you don't want to protect, that you don't want to submit because you don't think that your spouse is worth it. They don't deserve it. You're supposed to do it anyways. It's not about them deserving it. Christ didn't come because we deserved it. Christ didn't die on the cross because we deserved it. He did it because he loved us. A lot of people reject him and yet still he died on the cross for God so loved the world, the world, he sent his only son. Not just believers, not just those who believe in what Jesus did. So when your spouse is doing things and you just don't feel like loving on them, do it anyway. God will bless you. They, there will be blessings on the other side of that. And that the blessing could be him reminding you that this is the person he set aside for you. So men, it starts with you. It's a tall task, but I know you guys can do it. My husband is doing it. I hope you found this encouraging. Next week, I'm going to talk about the covenant, and I'm really excited for that. Um, so next Thursday, 7 o'clock, make sure you tune in. And thank you so much for joining me tonight. Have a great night. Mm -hmm.